Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fairy Conclave. This is episode 75. I'm your host, Alec. My pronouns are he, him, and today I have a very special guest. It's Lynn Frank. Lynn, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Hey, I'm Lynn Frank, and uh, she, they, her pronouns. Episode 75? Wow. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Three quarters of a decimal number favorite, you know, like a one zero zero that some people might call attention to. Totally. Yeah, that definitely means something. I, I'm not sure what yeah, it, what it is, sure. but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I kind yeah. of just the numbers come out and then at some point I realize how many there are. And it, yeah, I, I'm always <laughs> I'm always surprised. So, yeah, we made it to 75, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So well, I'm, I'm honored to be the 75th. Yes. Do I yeah. Get, I don't know if I get like a coupon or an extra punch on my card. Oh, yeah. Anything. Yeah. I can get you um, uh, like special. a free up to $5 um, coffee next time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> a foot long. A foot long. Or something yeah. a meatball sub. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll take Sounds it. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. For Perfect. sure. No, I'm doing well. Um, I am happy summer is here i know it won't yes. matter to whoever is listening to this wherever and whenever they're listening to it but like summer is here for me and that's always a good time in my life because uh life is easier during the middle of summer yeah i yeah, i'm, I'm also a summer summer person um yeah mm. our, our australian viewers and listeners won't be super excited probably but i am <laughs> right and then it also means it's kind of like command fest season, commander mm-hmm. people getting together despite COVID in the year of our Lord 2022, <laughs> as we believe it's over, as everyone's still coming back from these command fests and posting their positive test right. results and their negative <laughs> test results. But, you know, um, I find that like, it's great to get together with some people. I went to hang out in Milwaukee for command fest. Um, Andy Zepke from Scrap Chawlers put together a small group of people in his local area. And then some of the people that, you know, join him on the Scrap Trawlers quite often or are very close friends uh, came up. I got to hang out with Bobby Christine nice. um, and we got to just play some commander for like three days in a basement. And the time <laughs> went by so quick. Like it was so great to be around people and socialize. And so and then I'll be at um, Command Fest Bellevue um, in July. And I'm excited, really excited about that because I get to hang out with Bobby Christine again. I get to hang out with Deanna, some other, uh, another guest on your show, and probably run into so another one, another one of your guests, uh, a Will Help player, uh, Joey from EDH Rack. I'm hoping yeah. to bump into him once, and a number of other people too that um, are in the. On the like, on the on the Twitch, the Twitch seer, the the Twitch ball. Yeah. I don't know. You get the Twitch universe or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Content creators. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That yeah. that sounds super fun. I would be so excited to see all of these people who I've I've interacted with only with their voices or like on Twitter or something. Um, yeah, it'd be mm-hmm. so cool to see all them in person and play magic and and do things like that. Right. Yeah, marvel at their 3D-ness, like how tall or short they're, you know, there's that meme going around, it's like, how tall do you think I am, (laughs) you know, and then you kind of get that, you get that answered, you know, I've worked remote for most of the last six years, Mm. Um, like we were talking before, you saying you work from home, I work from home, I work remote, 
And like, I am, you know, great to just be around people. I get so excited now because like, I don't see a lot of other people. So when I do see people, I feel like a, like a dog, you know, when like they're, when they're, they're their owner, they're like caretaker comes home and like, I start wagging my tail. I just get kind of like that, just wagging my tail. I pee myself a little bit. I just get <laughs> yep. so excited <laughs> um, hanging out with people. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I always, I don't know what it is. Whenever I see people on YouTube, like, like the EDH rec people, I, um, I just always imagine they're like at least six feet tall and are just, you know, gonna be, I'm going to be like <laughs> looking up at them when I see them in person. So, um, that's just what I imagine right. from YouTubers in general. <laughs> mm, so an actual physical sort of positioning of them, like being, above yes you know what i mean looking up to yeah a <laughs> they sort have of that, metaphorical yeah yeah the youtube like prowess going on that yeah that just adds it adds something there's something there <laughs> there's definitely i mean there's an affect that like youtube individuals or anyone that does performances you know has to put on and sometimes that's a grander version of themselves or a particular confident version or um, or an angsty version, whatever it happens to be, you know, that kind of works well, that sells uh, totally. or allows them to kind of like do their video, you know, get it done. And I, I do love meeting the real people, though, sometimes just kind of sitting there and hanging with them. Yeah. 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 I will say I went to uh, Magic Fest Seattle in 2019 and saw the mm -hmm. Loading Ready Run people. And just yeah. like exactly what I was imagining, they are actually all like at least six and a half feet tall. Like they're all really, really tall, you know, Canadians that um, mm -hmm. were just vibing. Six so. and a half feet tall. <laughs> yeah. They were like more like Vikings. They mm -hmm. were the Vikings that went to Canada. I met them at Penny Arcade. Ooh. like years ago like one like the second or third penny arcade before they were doing magic content all the time nice. i don't remember them six and a half feet tall but prop very close to that <laughs> i think graham is like six six feet nine you know he's yeah right seven exactly two, right <laughs> yeah they were all super fun they were definitely fun i love hanging out with people that love to improvise so any and all people um loading ready runner favorites of mine yeah yeah mine too i mm -hmm. i love the kind of like uh like optimistic upbeat energy that they have and and just kind of yeah riffing and vibing off of mm -hmm. each other it's true what do you what do you um what do you say to them you know what i mean like did you talk to them did you say anything to graham or any other individuals or do you just like run up and smile <laughs> and wave and then ask for a selfie with them or uh, pretty much the second you... one i uh okay. I, I wasn't making any content or anything at the time i was just there for uh to get some artist signatures and to buy stuff so i kind of just came oh, up yeah. and i was like i'm a huge fan i love all of you can i please buy a t-shirt and that was yeah that was pretty much it oh <laughs> well that's good that's sweet yeah i wondered about that because like i two things about me i don't like to wait in line at buffets Mm. And I have a hard time with the like start like stardom or or the like uh, the star power or that like what do you do, you know? As in like I appreciate yeah. someone's content, but then when I see them in real life, I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna I would say to them, and I don't oftentimes feel like oh I need a photo of them with me. I don't know if I you know sometimes I do want some of their products or you know like the things yeah. that they're giving out you know or. 
I do want that. But then sometimes I just go, I don't know what I want to do with you. So usually sometimes you're just like, I just want you to like me. Will you just like me within <laughs> about 15 seconds of us meeting right, or something? And then I find that sometimes the best way to do that is to just kind of like be near the people, but ignore them or, you know what I mean? Not like, or not make it a big deal, which is hard sometimes. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I, I do love to be a fan of, of somebody. So yeah, I don't know what I would do. I think, um, especially now since I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of, uh, a lot of these people, just, yeah, seeing them in person, I also would just be like, hi, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. It so reminds me of working for corporate culture mm. uh, in the in this day and age for like the tech companies I work for. We would get together every year, you know, have a big gathering of people of all across the company from all these different departments. We are all kind of tangentially related. Yep. And it feels almost like that idea, like you'd see the CEO or you'd see the person that you learned everything from or you'd see the... Um, other team members that are, you know, impactful that got called out at some meeting that were, you know, you watched impre so impressionable as part of the early onboarding. And then you get to see them and you're like, I don't know what to say to them, but I, I feel like I should talk to them. And I feel like I've gone through that process. Um, like gone through it a little bit and it's, it's such an interesting feeling. I, I yeah. have to think about that some more. Yeah. Yeah. I like how, that. How to talk to people. It's true. I'm I'm also in a super corporate environment. So, um, and I've been kind of surprised at a lot of things like telling people to do things on Teams calls kind of lends itself a lot to asking people questions on a podcast. I've there's been a lot of kind of weird overlap there that I didn't expect um, between those two worlds. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I recently did a job interview. Unfortunately, I have to quit my part time magic side gig, or oh, no. perhaps let it. I let it become a side, more of a side gig, gotcha. um, a tertiary gig, yep. you know, as we all have so <laughs> many jobs in the, in this hustle culture. Yeah. I, um, actually it's more like following what I want to do culture, I guess is what I'm kind of trying to find where it's burning, okay. you know, where it's burning. Sometimes I'm, I'm, you know, it's burning and then I go see a doctor and then sometimes it's burning and I want to play some magic or talk about magic. So, right. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think it's going <laughs> anywhere, but it's, um, it's, it's definitely, I got to get a job. Oh, so I was kind of, I was on a job interview and I wowed them with like my dual camera OBS knowledge. Mm. And so I have to say doing podcasts, learning how to stream, uh, really get you a little bit of, I don't want to say ahead, but really put you in a, in a, in a, in an informed position when it comes to like this new digital remote workforce, if you're part yeah. of that experience, if you're fortunate to have like that, or maybe unfortunate, I don't know. I do sometimes wish I had an <laughs> office, uh, but I do like, I, I should say unfortunate. No, that's not true. I mean, I have a choice. Like I could move to a big city and go to the office if I wanted to, but right not yeah. for me no thank you not at this point yep yeah i feel the same way i also get some some funny questions sometimes when people see yeah that my i'm not just using like the laptop cam i have a, a, a 1080p camera um and like a big mic when i'm on a team's call everyone else is kind of yeah all blurry and <laughs> at a weird angle so yeah mm -hmm. yeah it, it definitely, they're fine with it yeah, and, and it's, it works, but yeah, it, it is a little bit, you get a little bit, a bit of a boost there, I think. 
<laughs> people are like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, he really cares about this job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they, well, I mean, it's, it, you're kind of winning, you know, thinking about like, um, okay, so I, uh, our work at one point, the previous job I was at during the pandemic wanted to create a virtual event. And so they, mm. they, they were looking for someone to, and I was on the marketing team and they wanted to get some people that were inspiring for us to listen to. And so they got some of the cast of Hamilton on there and like, whoa, <laughs> to talk, you know, the Broadway caster. Yeah. And that was talk. It wasn't, um, Lin-Manuel, but it was, you know, other individuals that took over or were part of the performance or like, or Thomas Jefferson on the first run. And then I can't remember the, um, the individuals. I apologize to those. Um, uh, but what was important was that they, um, they were on and then I was like, damn, they look so good. And a lot of them had like some great camera setups and mm-hmm. other stuff. And then some of them were like, oh, they don't look, you know what I mean? Bad camera setup. And you're like, who are they? You know what I mean? But like <laughs> my camera was like, I was like making sure my, after that, I was like, I'm going to turn my camera on. I'm going to put a little lip color on. Yep. I'm going to get the bisexual lighting going on. <laughs> yes. I'm going to make sure this is lit right so that everyone understands what's going on over here. So. You know, I got put on a nice blazer. You know, I got a little dressed up and all that stuff. And I've been playing with that. And I've been learning some tricks. My one yeah. suggestion is for online meetings is to have a light behind you and have a light on behind you that rotates through colors. Um, I don't have Ooh. one here on our call today. But, like, I've had it where the light rotates colors behind me on a chair. And it's nice because I can just sit there quietly and just watch. And everyone knows I'm still connected. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just like, if I'm just kind of sitting there and staring and listening, I, um, you know, people still know like, oh, you know, Lynn's there. She's paying attention. You know what I mean? She just, she hasn't disconnected. You've got like the movement going on. So people, yeah, yeah, people see that. Right. It's true. But with the but with the power and prowess of a six foot nine individual over mm. the internet, you know what I mean? <laughs> with, you know, so, exactly. Nobody really does. So it could be. Yeah. Nobody does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm by the way, I'm five foot eight. I don't know if that makes a difference for this interview, whether there's a certain height of individual that must, uh, to ride this ride. <laughs> I was Perhaps actually not, that would be ableist. Thank you for, for getting to that right up at the top. No, just kidding. I'm <laughs> good. <appreciate> good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get it right out of the way. Rip the band-aid off. I, I, I guess I didn't like fully introduce uh, some of the magic content that you create when at, at the top here, but um, you do a lot of spell table commander um, and you do a lot of YouTube and things like that. Would you like to give us a little bit more of a background on that and maybe some some things you've got going on right now? Yeah, um, I started playing Commander in August of 2021, so just last year, and then it was immediately onto Spelltable, that's where I went, and started hanging out on Discord, trying to find community and friends, and uh, then found, oh, I should say Bobby Christine found me. Um, I was being critical, or, you know, like, judgmental, or I was being, uh, adding to the discourse, on Twitter, of like with the magic sort of thought, yeah. um, and then she found me, and and it Cute. was actually I was watching a lot of the Twitter or Twitch, excuse me, streams for Commander, and I just noted how how difficult it was for me to access what was going on, 
And so I started commenting on just like, I think this is what would be necessary to make streams more accessible to individuals to watch for that to be uh, e more easily consumed. And that got a lot of attention from some creators and that got me some invites. Yes. So I've mostly been a professional guest, as some people say, a professional guest, a guest on a lot of those. So you might see me on different, you know, different Twitch channels for different uh, content creators. But a lot of the time I'm spending it with Bobby Christine, working with her on Spell Fables, which is a, a recorded, edited game experience, commander game experience. And that is on my uh, YouTube currently, which I believe will be in the show notes. And yes, then, definitely. Um, then Bobby Christine and I also wanted to talk about our philosophies. So I'm trying to, there's a lot of, no, there's a number of different questions and thoughts that I've, that we've shared. And so I've been wanting to help her get those thoughts out, you know, and, and some yeah. of my own thoughts out about like what we think is what, what the community could use or what we, what we see in the community, what we like in the community, because that's important to say, you know, when you, the absence of something not being expressed um, allows for other voices to fill. So like a common topic that we'll, we'll discuss on that check your bulk podcast also on yep. YouTube Spotify, iTunes, those places. Um, oh no, wait, iMusic? Do they? No, they still call it iTunes. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, we'll, we'll, I do. We'll talk about yeah, right. It's still an iTunes. Um, we we'll talk about the um, the importance of gameplay, flavor, texture, and sometimes you know financial um, power. Those discussions. We try to look at all those sort of aspects of Commander. And we're trying to explore some of those spaces that sometimes the language is always just like, I won this game, I won that game. And we're talking about other ways yeah. that you might think about exploring the ways to describe your commander games, to remember your commander games, to wrap them up, you know, and, and other kind of feelings of like just bringing more memorable moments to it, um, you know, ridiculous, you know. Um, there's like we will put some card suggestions in there at the end and some of them are great value fun little you know cheapy powerful combo pieces and then sometimes it's just like this would be funny if you know this mm. would bring the table together if um, those type of choices so we try to keep it fun and flavorful so yeah. Twitter YouTube um, the iTunes um, you can find uh, me there talking and um, creating content yeah I love it. Yeah, we'll definitely have links to all of that stuff down below. Um, yeah, and I, I really like all of that. I think what uh, you've been doing as far as um, accessibility is really important. It's um, especially Commander as a format like within Magic is uh, super unaccessible when you kind of get into it to uh, to new players and certain types of people who are who want to get into it. Um, and a lot of content online just kind of assumes that you know a, a lot of the cards and a lot of the interactions and even just the rules, like um, things like that are, are often assumed. Uh, and it, yeah, it does make accessibility a very difficult thing for a lot of people. So yeah, I really like that you have um, put an emphasis on that. Yeah, I'll include uh, another little link, which was one that focuses on some of the things that I've suggested for YouTube or sorry, uh, not for YouTube, but well, for YouTube, but for Twitch and uh, any streamers, but also just people, individuals playing over a spell table. 
yeah. uh, for recorded content. Um, I'll do zone cards. I'll put little calculated power and toughnesses for creatures. I'll put indicators of like upkeep triggers or combat triggers, things like that. Um, mana symbols to capture floating mana. I do a lot of these like little things because it's like I want people to be able to look at a battlefield, you know, your battlefield, yeah. and and understand at a at a glance. I mean, that's kind of like my day to day job, you know, like oftentimes making things easier for humans. So of course it bleeds over into this magic thing and the yeah. thought of like, wow, it's really clear if I put this like placard out that says spell cast and that's the spell being cast at the moment that's on the stack you know and then i have a card that says exile so you know which like exile that i can play or cast or or are exiled forever or exile you know what or what's my graveyard and there are yeah. some conventions but i like focusing on some of these being very explicit with labels on on these fields and places, and I've got some, I've gotten some people to change their ways, like put up little OBS digital labels of their spots, and so I feel like I'm making an impact in some way, like making making some changes or con having people consider what they like like to change. So. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. I I know most people have like a kind of a general spot where you put your deck in your graveyard, and that's kind of. Uh, you know, generally like understandable through the community, but uh, when it comes to exile, it's kind of the wild west. Um, the stack doesn't—it's all over everyone's boards, oftentimes. So, right. yeah, that's—I right. I think that's great. I think it's something that everyone should use, um, and yeah, it just makes it easier for the people watching the game, the people playing the game. Um, I, I had kind of an awkward moment a couple weeks ago uh, in a spell table game where. Uh, there's just like a comprehension, um, like a th something that somebody missed that if they had uh, been playing in person, you would have seen it. But over spell table, it was mm -hmm. just like the blurry camera was like the glare was in the wrong spot and a card was missed. Um, and it's always kind of awkward mm -hmm. to kind of like try to back that up and be like, well, what do we do here? Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, trying to do things, anything we can to avoid situations like that, I think, um, yeah, it make, makes it easier for for everyone involved. So yeah, thank you yeah. for doing all of that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I I I ha I feel like I have to. It just feels like a personal mm -hmm. thing. It's all and it's in all the games that I'm doing. I hope other people are interested in you know adopting some of those things. Some people are just surprised. Like before Infinite Tokens, you know, were on the scene. Yeah. I got you know people were just using the backs of cards or just die or whatever. So it feels like people. Um, in some cases, some people just haven't 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 given much thought you know they haven't like right they like it got the job done and then you know with magic the game there's so much going on in a commander game there's the social aspect of communicating with other humans along with that like perhaps there's new humans in the group perhaps it's old friends and you're catching up you know there's so much going on that sometimes like the tokens and the other things don't quite come up and i think me coming in with like mostly just paying random people and pickup games on discord servers uh, you know, it made it so that like, I don't, you know, I'm talking a little bit to people, but I'm like, I just want to make sure it's clear what, what I'm doing over here. So I don't feel like I've cheated anybody or that I've been yeah. uh, not clear and like, and I've wanted the same, you know, like when I've been playing someone, I'm like, I'm about to cast a spell that needs to use your graveyard. Could you tell me a creature in your graveyard and a person is <laughs> withholding information, you know, like there's just too yeah. many choices. And I'm like, 
could you tell me the best one? And he's like, well, I don't know. What is the best one that depends on? And it's like, you know, the one that might help me block your commander or, you know, like, uh, any, anyways, I played with a person that yeah. wasn't very forthright with like helping me and it got, you know, it made me cranky. I was, I was yeah. like, we're over spell table. I can't, you know what I mean? Like you're, as you're describing before, like I can't, if I, Alec, if I was in person, I'd be like, let me see your graveyard. If you like, don't mind me touching your cards, I'll look through it. I'll grab one. But right. Yeah. Over spell table in his dark little dungeon of a room, <laughs> the troll <laughs> stood over his cards and didn't let me know what was inside the deck or, you know, the graveyard then. So yeah. Yeah. There's all because of them. Cert- yeah. There's, there's certain, um, uh, it, it's more like a communication thing. There are certain communication things you just have to do. Uh, yeah, my, my mm-hmm. kind of uh, local play groups that I play with all the time um, do do that kind of to a fault. So they're like, I'm like, what is, what's the best thing in your graveyard that I could steal? And they're like, well, next turn I was going to do this, so you should probably steal oh. this thing because it'll be the best against that. I'm like, okay, that's great. You didn't have to tell me all of that, but I appreciate it. I do appreciate it. That is, that is generous. That is very generous. That's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's that shows a sign that people are enjoying playing with you. Maybe they enjoy the way you look when you're winning or something like that. <laughs> or they like the challenge. Yeah, maybe so. it's more about that. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Every, everyone I play with, I just like playing with like really kind people who are just kind of there to, to have a good time and, and, and see what happens and if their decks can do the thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like mm-hmm. throw everything you can at me and I'll even help you so that we can see what happens. Um, which I think mm-hmm. is fun. I you like know, that's that. a very, yeah, that's a common thing. I mean, the overkindness of telling what's in your hand doesn't sound like something I would um, associate with CDH, like competitive EDH. Definitely. But that co- that collaborative way of solving or diffusing the bomb, which is like this person may be going off, even yourself. You know, sometimes you're there as a learning exercise. Um, yeah. And I oftentimes, not even competitive EDH, regular regular old magic with whatever casual EDH, you know, we're hanging out. Sometimes someone will get to a point where they're like, I don't, I can't assess the threat of the board. And, and then I usually, you know, I'll jump in if it's a good time to talk, yeah. tell people, you know, like ex- describe what's going to happen, you know, and then describe the general function of the deck as I illustrated at the beginning saying, this is one of two uh, combo pieces for the deck in which it runs. So like removing this at this time, you know, I don't have any tutors in the deck, but I could have the item, you know, that new other item yeah. and I could win the game. Next time. You know, I usually try to describe the the value of what it is um, when I'm, you know, to another person of like what I've got and what I perceive on other people's boards sometimes to help them to it. But I don't minimize my board state ever, you know what I mean? But I'll talk with yeah. uncertainty about whether I have the card in hand or not have the card in hand or, you know, some way to get it. So, yeah, we could do a, a whole podcast episode on this. I think it's so interesting, kind of the mm-hmm. um, the intricacies of the social aspect of uh, especially in the situation you were talking about with an arch enemy where everyone let the other three players are kind of trying to collaborate. But also trying right. to win themselves so like how much do you kind of like help right. them but also you don't want to uh not represent your own yeah your own board and 
especially when it comes to uh, combo pieces and things like that. I think it's really important to be uh, to, to kind of, at least at the beginning of the game, before you start, give context to like what combos are in there because I don't remember all of the like two, three card combos and things like that. So yeah, things like that mm. I think um, are super interesting to talk about. And I feel like each time a situation kind of like this comes up in a game, it's always it's always different. Like you never, you can't really prepare for it until you're uh, there in the moment talking about what's happening. Right, exactly, yeah. I have some rules that I always, uh, I, I think I have three rules about Commander that I try to impart on people when I meet people, which is like, don't play with your food. You know, so if you have the win, <laughs> play it. I like it. Because um, no one's going to feel well, you know, if you hold held on to it, then lost it to the wheel that I might play. Or if you held yeah. it for three or four turns, and then we all just kind of spun wheels while looking at you. Um, unless yeah. it was super fun. Anyways, don't play with your food. Like, don't annihilate annihilator for me. And then, <laughs> and then just leave me there with a one land or one creature. Just finish me off. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, my others is uh, don't minimize board states. I, a lot of times I was playing and people would be like, oh, it's nothing to worry about. And I took them at face value. I was like, oh, okay. It's just a little old unicorn that can blink any one of my creatures. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll leave it. And then that unicorn went on to blink everything and like destroy <laughs> my board and blink. Oh, you know, the unicorn wasn't wasn't the problem per se, but it was like the creature that entered the battlefield and destroyed permanence or something like that that was killing me. So yeah, anyways. I, I kind of like that. Um, I like that rule too. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of a general joke, I guess, in Commander to like play a card that everyone is scared of and just be like, Oh no, no, like it's fine. You know, it's totally good. <laughs> yeah. I hear that all the time. Just chilling. Yeah, yeah, they do. And now I've learned like, I'm gonna shoot it. You know what I mean? It's both mm-hmm. the thing that like, I'm supposed to be not, I'm supposed to be cool with, but I know it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what it is too. Like I hear, I hear it. It's like, I just played Emrakul. Uh, it's fine though. Like, don't worry about it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a little worried about it. <laughs> fine it's fine emrakul's like it's fine i mean unless you got instance it's not fine but it's fine (laughs) right you know yeah um yeah that's true i also have a don't don't apologize rule i don't like Mm. when people apologize like their combo goes off they play the emrakul i don't touch it the next turn they hit me with it and then say sorry I'm like, this is wrong. Just hit me with it and cackle maniacally. Right. But don't say sorry. Just hurt me. You know, just do it. That's the point of the game. You're advancing the game state. I applaud you for doing so. Yeah, I I play with a lot of people who uh, kind of feel bad for winning. So I always try to kind of hype them up when they're winning or when they're like going off. I'm like, you're doing like, this is great. I love watching this. They're like, I'm sorry, this is yeah. taking so long. Like, I'm, I'm trying to work it out. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm enjoying the show. Like, you you do it. You got this. I love it. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like that kind of helps a lot because there, there is a little bit of... Uh, uh, I don't know what it is exactly, but I think it's pretty common. People just kind of feel bad for, um, for winning or being too far ahead or something like that. Um, most situations, mm-hmm. I think, at least in, in kind of like your friendly local playgroups, it's... Um, it's totally fine. You're kind of there to to see who wins. So, yeah, I like that rule too. Right. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about too, and I do that very similar behavior, which is like get excited for that person, 
as they move into their combo or help them with their triggers, you know, as they do yeah. it and not be like, I'm not going to show them their, I'm not going to tell them their triggers. So that way they, <laughs> right. they won't get that extra four life. It's like, no, I want them to do it. I want, I, I oftentimes like at commander games is like collaborative storytelling. So I oftentimes, again, like think of it as like, we're ripping the mask off the boogeyman and maybe I'm the boogie, you know, or the, not the boogeyman, but like the, uh, scooby-doo i'm the scooby-doo villain mm. and we're ripping the mask off me and yeah. i'm excited for that moment because then i get to respond um as bobby christine will say you know like a heel i sometimes also think about it like wrestling you know it's fun to have oh, characters nice, yeah. it's fun to it's fun to think of yourself as like the villain that gets overthrown uh, you know it's yeah. fun to and i notice that the language when someone says like i'm sorry sometimes the response from the other person is the only thing they can do is like, I want to acknowledge you. So they say, that's okay. Go ahead, get it. You know, so they first have to kind of like acknowledge the person and then pivot with like new energy towards that like belief yeah. that's like, no, I really want you to win. And sometimes when you're tired, the only thing you can do is maybe as best <laughs> as acknowledge the, you know, the thing, which doesn't really give the person the enthusiastic kind of like counter energy or counter right. play that, you know, that they might play off of or sort of respond to. And then what happens is then they just kind of feel like, well, I do feel bad. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then of course you have not a lot of energy or you're in a bad mood, you know, you'd be like, well, you should be sorry. You know, like you're kind of cranky <laughs> with them or you might just sort of default cranky back with them. And so I don't know. It's difficult. It's just, it just, I see it sometimes as just being like, it's difficult when someone leads with that as like from a, you know, just like an, I don't want to always call it like entertainment, but always like a, you know, a give, like an offer, like an improv. Um, right. Thinking like, it leaves me, it leaves me very little to, I have to like, again, I have to use kind of twice the energy. I have to listen and then respond back with something positive, which is like, no, I'm having fun. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm having a good time, which yeah can be difficult. You know, I know yeah. that I love it. I'll usually be like, I'm a villain. I want to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to die. No, I deserve it. You know what I mean? That's a great choice. I'm with you on that, like, yeah, and positive response. I, I totally, I, I know, like, that exact situation you're describing has happened to me and probably a lot of people so many times. And it, it reminded me of, I think it was from, or at least I saw it on a Commander Sphere episode um, talking about, like, creating a story for the game and that's kind mm. of uh what what i'm always thinking about is well if i became like the arch enemy villain of this game and then i was taken down by something um it adds like a really cool story like you definitely don't need to apologize for creating a cool scenario and a story that we um got to share together so uh mm. so yeah don't need to apologize for it especially if mm -hmm. um uh, if you needed to do it and I think what people want to do is they want to like constantly check to make sure your power balances are are matched up because that's a very like a pretty important thing right. or that's emphasized. Um, but I think replacing that with like a post game discussion, like after everything's done, w would be a little bit more helpful. And then you can uh, shape future games rather than like in the game you killed someone and you're like, I'm so sorry. We need to like. I feel really bad about mm -hmm. this. Like, no, 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 we can work it out later. Like, keep going. You got it. <laughs> right. 
that's something I noticed for me for that creation of a story. I do I do love the commander uh, command sphere. Commander sphere. I always forget if I should er it. Commands. Same. <laughs> <laughs> command commander sphere. Um, commander sphere. That creation of a story post game. I thought about all that a lot because you get to the end of the post game, and generally the post game plays out something like person that won will oftentimes then go, yeah, I guess I got it. Mm, I was I got lucky when I got that tutor that I top deck or mm. after you wheeled I did the they kind of talk about you know they they either it's kind of partially credit the person but then or they're like it didn't work so well it didn't do as fast as I wanted they kind of go through this kind of I don't know this downplaying of like their accomplishment in some way instead gotcha. of just laughing maniacally you know and then <laughs> yes. But they're still kind of centering, you know, their conversation or their thoughts on who they are and their deck. And then the rest of us usually sit around going like either, darn it, what was my next card? I would have got you if I got to play another turn, you yeah. know, and, or or ask or sometimes just ask them questions about, you know, like, no, you did or tell them positive affirmation. No, you did great. That was a great game. Great. Everyone was great. That was great. I had a great time. I got everyone got to do a thing. Everyone got, to, you know what I mean? This kind of yeah. justifier sometimes that they're like, we all got to do our thing, didn't we? We all did our thing. And I feel like that's the end of the game, kind of my comedic version of it. Um, you know, a, a gross exaggeration of it. But something that I've been doing to change that is during the post game, I will sometimes, I'll go turn by turn if I can in my head. That's mm. hard to do every time. But what I will do is like if someone countered some play of mine or stopped a play or wiped the board at a certain moment or, you know, jumped in at the right moment, shuffled away my graveyard, I will I will make sure that I call attention to that um, in the post game. I'll 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 offer to the person that did that to me. I said that was a great play when you um, played Blessed Respite and you fogged all the combat damage mm. and then you shuffled away my all my creatures in my graveyard because you know what I mean you stopped the Aldrazi from smacking <laughs> you from that other person while preventing me from going off next turn after you saw I did a buried alive the turn before that you know that is something that i think giving giving that kind of like commending people on their judgment or their choice in play feels like something that i like to offer and i'll oftentimes it's easiest to do it from my perspective when I lost, right? Like when I'm the one that received the loss, because it's because yeah. people are, might be sensitive to bring it up. Like it was so good when I got your graveyard, wasn't it? You know, it feels a little, <laughs> right. you know, a little sweaty. It feels a little sweaty. Get away with me, you know, get away from me with that. But like, it feels great when the person that received that, you know, incurred that, um, and they do that. And I sometimes, what I have found though is I will start with that. I'll offer my own. And then I will like jump to other people's preps where they were foiled, um, you know. What I mean? Yeah. So it comes you can from get into it. So I feel like I, yeah, I can kind of like if I start with me, I can sometimes jump into other people and where they might have received the counter, you know, where they were where they were stopped, where they were almost the villain, where they were dot dot dot, you know, um, at that moment in the story. And that feels great. It feels fun to just kind of like reward those kind of big splashy plays, right? Because Commander's about big splashy plays. So I feel like it's incredibly important in the post game to re to review those big splashy plays, to give your, you know, your kudos to the people that did something um, that stopped you. Yeah. Especially. Yeah, I, I yeah. like that a lot. It's It just adds so much 
um, positive reinforcement to the post-game discussion, which is really important. And, um, and it just feels good. Like if I, I make a, so many mistakes in commander games and I always kind of remember when I, um, uh, make a play I shouldn't have, or like did something in the wrong order. So to have someone be like, Hey, this thing you did in that game was, it was like perfect timing and you killed it. That moment really, it slowed me down and it was great. I would love to hear that. That would be, um, yeah, it would make me feel a lot better about uh, the game you just played, which is kind of, you know, yeah. we, we're here to have a good time and feel good about it. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, you're so right about that because we do spend a lot of our games with such uncertainty. You know, you, a new yeah. deck, I don't know how it's going to play, the uncertainty of everything, the uncertainty of threat, threat assessment with cards in hand. And it is nice to hear a little positive reinforcement at the end, you know, to give that to give that to other people. I think that's, and it's so valuable because it, it, it perhaps counteracts that, um, that like, that dis, I, what am I trying to say? The, the threat is that when someone's looking at your threats and they're, they're mm. saying, oh, it's no big deal. It's just an Emrakul. It's just, a, it's just, right. a, it's just chilling. <laughs> you know, to say that it's later, it could be like, it actually wasn't chilling as you saw, <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Or something you can kind of maybe, you know, you could kind of talk, at least maybe that can come back to that point where it's like, okay, I was lying about the Emrakul. You know, I was trying to make sure it was chill, but Emrakul was killing it and I got you all with it. So thanks. Yeah. You know. um, yeah. yeah. A little bit better energy, know. kind of like being proud of the the Emrakul that you got out instead of trying to downplay it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. This That was a, a fantastic discussion. Um, and I, I thought about a lot of stuff already, like that I want to keep talking about. But I asked you to come on okay. here so that we could talk yeah. about one of your commander decks. Yes. So, <laughs> so let's get into it. And I also just realized um, I forgot to ask you about this beforehand, but I always do a community spotlight where we shout out somebody, um, a content creator, or somebody in the community um, who we've been enjoying lately. And I totally forgot to ask you um, before we started recording if you had anyone in mind that you would like to shout out, but just kind of on the spot now, I guess. Um, is there somebody you would like to have for a community spotlight today? Yes. Uh, Listener Alters on Twitter mm. makes Listener Elf, but Listener Alters, Anthony um, Bertie. Uh, listener elf yeah yell up listener elf does some great alters i did i asked i met him in a, in a game with bobby christine at the origin story of this deck that we're going to talk about today Ooh. and we played a number of games together and he's always and he was at the commandy fest we just nice. had a great time and we've had a great time talking to one another and he's made some great uh great alters that he shares he was on it with some woodblock prints before Wow. Neon Dynasty was dropping those beautiful lands. He's yeah. got some beautiful dual lands that he's been doing. And he's just doing a lot of be making beautiful cards. It was great to see him at Commandy Fest because I ended up with some additional lovely cards from him. And he made a, a proxy for me, a little a little proxy card for Lind, Cheerful Tormentor, the Curses Commander or Curses Legendary Creature. Uh, he made a, a version with me as you know on the card itself which was uh, that's uh good. egotistical and flattering and fun so yeah nice that's perfect yeah i yeah. i have yeah. so much respect for uh, alter artists 
for magic. It's just, it's like, it, it, I, it's unfathomable to me to be able to just like paint tiny paintings or do like digital, um, digital work like that. It's always incredible. I love following um, and interacting with alter artists. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, uh, uh, the inner sleeves that replace your artwork. What is that? Alter sleeves. I'm, I'm a big fan of alter sleeves. And I think a lot of um, a lot of alter artists like to use alter sleeves um, as kind of a way to get mm-hmm. their art out. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. I will definitely add links to listener elf alters in the episode description mm-hmm. below. So you can check it out too. Yeah. Yeah. It's always difficult whether it disrupts the spell table. I always run that gamut, right? Talking about accessibility. I go, I love, I love alters. You know, I love, mm. you know, different visualizations, but then I go, how, but am I hurting accessibility? I think commanders are okay. You know, it feels like you know, yeah. you've got the spell table, you've got your commander listed above, but I love, I love some alters, but I was like, but always accessibility, you know, like at first in some yeah. ways for me, but yeah, I, I love it. I, in person, I guess if I was doing more in person play, I'd probably, I'd do it. I'd yeah. Get some more of them. I like yeah. the look of them though. Yeah, you're right. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was talking to, I, mm-hmm. I interviewed um, Dana from EDH Retcast and he has his deck that we talked about was like hundred oh, percent altered yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, and we were kind of talking about how it's a little bit of a nightmare on spell table because you you just can't you have to like manually search the cards every time instead of clicking on them. So um, right. definitely a, a little bit of a downside, but I just love that idea so much um, to have a full mm-hmm. deck like that. That's uh, yeah, yeah. Anthony Anthony showed me a a whole deck that he created did borders and everything for it. It was gorgeous. Wow. Like he made everything look you know, samey, you know, type of deal, whatever the, that's so the cool. it had a code in which it adhered to. And it is cool to like have that. I mean, I'm someone that's like, if I'm going to play a deck where I search through the deck for cards, I'd like for my one basic land in the deck to have a special border. <laughs> so I don't, you know, I could find it right away yeah. or, you know, find some difference with it right away. And I definitely think that could be useful, you know, to have someone that kind of alters a card for those little differences to help you play the game too. Right. Um, yeah. There's different ways you can experience it. Yeah. That's really cool. You can, um, yeah, there are ways you can add the accessibility and, yeah, shorten your tutoring time and things like that um, through alters. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. If you're always looking for those lands, you know, that like Mm -hmm. a shock lands or whatever, I always thought, like, get an inner sleeve that's like white and bright or something or you know what I mean or something yeah. that could possibly give you an easier look into um or like uh uh Anthony added which was oh my camera's here like gold Ooh. oh it's something gold cool. a gold rim to this lion's eye diamond that he um that's amazing. Uh, handed to me for this proxy CDH deck so yeah nice it's gorgeous. I love yeah. It. So that's like, well, I know where it is. You know what I mean? Like, I'll know right away. But I was like, he could do that yeah. to lands. He could do it to anything. So the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. We'll have links down below. So check that out. And that'll be our community spotlight for the episode. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into it. So. Yeah. Uh, I am interviewing one of your commander decks today. Kind of. We have. Uh, uh, two lists basically 
Um, but I'm excited to talk about the commander. So yeah, let's kick it off. I'll start with the first question, which is, uh, could you introduce us to the commander and what inspired you to build these decks? Yeah, um, so the commander for both the decks is the same commander. It's the same legendary creature, and it's Florian Fuldaren Scion. One black and a red. Legendary creature. It's a vampire noble. It's got to be noble. I don't know why. Yep. Uh, but it's a 3-3 first strike. And really, this is the thing that drew me to the the creature. is Not the 3-3 first strike, but what I'm going to say now, which is at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, look at the top X cards of your library where X is the total amount of life your opponents lost this turn. So good. And then you're going to exile one of those cards and put the rest on the bottom in a random order, but you get to uh, play this exile card this turn, and this turn only. And I absolutely love Florian. Um, and the reason I picked him was that right before this deck, I was playing a lot of Belby corrupted observer Ooh, yeah and she, she has a very similar post-combat main phase trigger so there was a lot of not a i wouldn't say a lot of overlap but there were similarities between the two in terms of it being an a, a, a triggered ability and it happening in the post-combat main phase and it being based on advancing the game state by doing damage mm. to everybody but what drew me to Florian and moved me away from Belby was the fact that I could play no tutors with Florian. So I got on this, I had this moment where I was like, I am tired of everyone around me constantly just like buried alive, you know, demonic <laughs> tutor, merchant scroll. They were just like, everybody was winning the game. It was a very high power place that I was playing in the kind of community. Gotcha. And so they were oftentimes, you know, pulling together their combo by turn five or six, and then if not winning by that turn or winning the next turn afterwards. And that felt pretty powerful. And so I was thinking, like, I'm tired of watching people shuffle. I'm tired of all these fetch lands cracking and all that, uh, you know, nonsense. I want a commander that I could possibly get the card selection I need without having to do tutoring. And Florian was right there. Um, it came, he came out in what Midnight Hunt um, appeared on Game Night, and what was probably even more influential was the the ninety nine, which is another mm. uh, channel that that for a long time there was doing some recorded EDH content that Sun Rebel appeared on, and that's yeah. where I saw her a number of times, and uh, I saw uh, uh, Patrick who runs the ninety nine. Yes did a CDH deck with Florian in it. And I got to see what Florian would look like at a high level, got to see additional cards, got to see something besides Dragon's Approach. And um, there was such an overlap with what I had with Belby that I thought, I can do this, I can make this deck. And I did, and it, it started out as a, an answer to a, what felt like the meta. Um, so. It started out with first that no tutor rule, and then it started to turn into like, well, I'm tired of these like combo decks winning, and all these other battle cruiser build a big army decks, like just building them. You know, like someone would have yeah. all these angels or elves or craw worms or whatever they were doing. They would have them all lined up there, but they would never attack because they didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And I thought, this is the deck. <laughs> 
that I'm going to put in Disruptacorum. This is the deck where I'm going Ooh. to steal everyone's creatures and make them fight for me. I'm like, I'm going to take control or, you know, make a control deck in a way um, with Florian. Um, I'm going to do those things. Uh, we all get lots of cards, you know, like uh, I wanted to continually put people in different uh, scenarios, like challenging their creatures uh, in other ways. So it was the perfect setup and, and it really was based off that secondary, that, that ability, the second sort of act, uh, triggered ability of looking at the cards in their post-combat because I got to get away from tutors and that made a big difference. I think I've changed my stances. Yeah. So the reason why there's two decks is because one of them is a budget version and then the other is the approaching or quickly approaching CDH, right? Like it's, uh, it started out as like not quite this way. It was still very powerful, but now I'm like, let's just put more gas on it. Let's just play all these cards. You know, let's put in an opposition agent. Let's remove yes. some of these creature-based win strategies. Let's be a little bit more consistent and let's play a few more proxies uh, to win the game. So it's um, it's looking for more combo victories uh, through underworld breaches, uh, you know, wheeling myself to fill the breach, uh, to cast the, you know, mana producing Jessica's will to keep on going and then Torment of Hailfire for, you know, 48 or something like that yes, from all yeah. the mana that I've made off of uh, uh, Waste Knot, which is an enchantment that says like everyone, anytime any opponent discards, I get to benefit from it. So as long as I keep wheeling, you know, I get a lot of mana, a lot of creatures, a lot of uh, value um, while finishing up or tidying up the game yeah i think it's really cool to have um two like two deck lists for different situations but both for the same commander that you enjoy playing yeah it's something i've thought a lot about because i do like playing in very high power environments occasionally where it's just like like we're not being nice everyone's just trying to win as fast as possible uh, and we're interacting right. with each other and removing things and it's fun to do that. I like doing that sometimes. Um, but then there are also the times where, you know, you're like everyone's drinking White Claws and you don't necessarily want to like think that hard. Um, and you just have right. a, yeah. And budget too is also a big, a big thing there is uh, CDH is notoriously, um, unless you're proxying, uh, it is, mm -hmm. it's harder to work with a budget there. So yeah, I think it's really cool to have do deck lists for a commander that you like and I also love any excuse to get rid of tutors so yeah having this yeah. kind of like pretty absurd uh, it, it, and it almost like nears the power of a tutor effect but you do have mm -hmm. to put a lot of work into it to get it to work that way so yeah I, I like that yeah, a lot for you kinda, sure. yeah you have to work for it yeah you gotta do damage um, or cause loss of life you know what I mean yeah. but there's ways to do it there's lots of wonderful ways to do it, but yet yes. you do have to work a little bit to get to it, and or somebody will strike uh, strike Florian down, you know, in combat, so you don't get the post combat trigger. Mm. Um, you can be left with holding the bag, you know what I mean? But even if you're holding yeah. the bag, it just meant like you did 12 damage or 16 damage to everybody. You just don't right. get the big look afterwards. But what's so funny that's surprising to me is every time when I play this commander, people will be like, "Oh, that's nice." Um, they'll see the commander and they'll see me early turn kind of look at three cards, you know, and yeah. then all of a sudden I'll cast flame rift 
And like each player takes four points of damage. So they're like, wow, you're going to look at 12. And then I, of course, attack with some other things on the turn. And so yeah. then I'm looking at 22 cards and they're like, wow, <laughs> you're looking at 22 cards. You're picking one out of 22 cards. You know, like, what are you going to get? And at that point, people tend to realize what's happening. And it's, yeah. by then, it's sometimes too late, you know, or at least it's the deck has gotten better where it's like, yep, it's obviously too late. I've learned to stage it in a way where mm. early turns, I'm just like getting ramp. You know what I mean? I'm like making sure I'm always just grabbing a land, uh, you know, I'll attack, don't play a land, attack, uh, then exile land for the turn, then attack and then grab a signet and then attack and then grab you know, one more powerful piece of, uh, you know, mechanical ramp of sorts, you know, to some artifact. And then uh, then, fin then then start the problems, you know, yep. then start grabbing some stuff that finishes out the game. But playing it as any sort of um, green player might, you know, that's using adventurous impulse in a way. So I'm kind of adventurously impulsing my way through the deck, which is super fun. One of my favorite things about that effect is... Uh, you're still like the strategy you're still dealing a ton of damage to your opponents which gets you closer like that's what you want to be doing in the game anyway so it kind of rewards you for something mm -hmm. that you already wanted to do which I think is it, it's really nice It's it feels good and I remember when Florian came out and um, I was really excited about it because I have a uh, Rakdos Lord of Riots deck, which is very mm -hmm. a very similar. Like the the kind of cards in the deck are very similar. Lots of um, like damage dealers and right. Uh, yeah, I play Flame Rift in that deck and things like that. So I've always enjoyed decks like that where you're just dealing tons of damage to your opponents and then profiting off of it in a huge way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like with a uh, in the higher power deck i'll play neheb the eternal which of course has a very similar triggered ability going to post combat but you gain red mana for each one life your mm. opponent lost this turn so they they align perfectly in terms of like how they do and what they do um because then you're like wow i get to look at 12 cards and i get 12 red mana to oh, cast whatever i want from it so and it's good. often that that gets pretty yeah that gets pretty game ending right there you know that's the Definitely. that's the moment people get nervous so i play the baby neheb dreadhorde champion in the budget version because i still mm. love his effect he still lets me cycle cards he still lets me get some mana but it's not quite as uh easy mode you know like it's not as much as like the you know I'm getting rewarded for doing the thing that I do. I have to work a little harder there. Gotcha. But I still yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah, nice. and the difference between the two decks is that um, going into budget, I had to say goodbye to a few things. And and to be honest, I could probably up the value of a number of like cards in it. And the budget version could have been at the $200 version of this one. You know, before this one, before the two decks kind of differentiated, one was about 50 and the other one was about 250 and then there was all these people gotcha. wanting to play CDH, and I thought, I want to, I'll keep pushing this one, and I'll put some Magus of the Moon and stacks in there, and I'll put some more of the expensive artifacts and lands to help um, produce, you know, con more consistency and speed. So uh, the original one has to change, though, because, you know, when you mm. look at budget, sometimes you have to say goodbye to certain cards, and so... To say to goodbye to certain cards uh, for the sort of budget deck, I leaned differently into uh, the discard feel 
So there's a lot more focus on blood, using like blood tokens and discards. And I think it's a fun change. I don't know if you've run into that situation where while I made two decks, when I made a budget version and tried to find lower price ones, I sometimes found cards that were like made it into the budget deck, played it a bunch of times, realized, wow, this should be part of like my stronger deck. You know, this should be part yeah. of my no holds barred deck. And that's happened. I've actually learned quite a bit from making the two separate decks. And it's actually caused me to see some better crossover synergy, uh, you know, flavor that happens between them. Um, and I find that I ultimately change the more powerful, more expensive version of the deck while making a budget version of it because I let go of some of those, like, I got to get the top card constraints yeah. and then actually see what happens. And honestly, with threat assessment sometimes being like, I know that proper noun, that proper noun killed me. I'm going to kill that proper noun. People sometimes become less scared of some other, you know, creature you might play that's like an alternative that isn't quite as scary or isn't quite as obvious with what what your goals are to win the game. So, Yes. Yeah, I, I've definitely found yeah. that. Um, it, and it kind of goes the other way too. Like there are a lot of times where I'll just throw uh, expensive kind of staple cards in um, just because it feels like something I'm supposed to do. And then, yeah, somebody will just uh, blow up my like Phyrexian arena or something. Um, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. But you know, if I had like protection racket out instead um, or like dying to serve, like another enchantment that people haven't really heard of, it still like helps the deck a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't get it wouldn't get targeted in such a way. Yeah, that's a recent addition. You mentioned that Protection Racket. The cheaper deck also has like less care about some of the cards in it. Mm. And I was hot on that Protection Racket yeah. card because it says at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal like going around to every one of your opponents, reveal cards from the top of your library and show off that card. And they can pay life, uh, I think, to exile the card. Um, but it's yeah. not just one card. It's one per person. Yes. So yeah, like I... Yeah, uh, you know, it starts to add up and people are like, no, I don't want you to draw that card. But the the deck isn't built around high converted mana value cards. But, you know, a land, they'll exile it, but they're going to start exiling two or three or four, you know, value cards. That's loss of life. Florian cares yeah. if you lost life, you know. Right. So I'm willing to allow combo pieces in the budget deck to, like, be exiled forever uh, for the chance at getting, you know, a bigger dig. Um, yeah. And it, it works really well with Sin Prodder, which does a very similar thing, except it goes to the graveyard. And the Keen Duelist, which also works at Upkeep, which you kind of, I show me yours and you show me my, you know, like we show yep. each other our cards <laughs> and we compare damage. And those are like alternatives too. Yeah, the Phyrexian Arenas, which I think is kind of a nice approach because uh, yeah. I don't put a Phyrexian Arena in here because I want to cause damage more more than I really want to draw a card. So yeah. Because I'll I'll be able to get cards in post combat, you know, in the post or Stormfist Crusader. Stormfist Crusader is one that's Ooh. like a little howling mine. Everyone kind of loves the howling mine, so oftentimes they'll leave the Stormfist Crusader out there, yep. even though it's you. You're getting to draw that second card on your turn, and everyone is taking a point of damage when that happens, which is like Chef's Kiss. You yes. know, so perfect. Yeah, it's it's been yeah. a such a good card in in Rakdos as well because I've had a lot of moments where. 
I'll play it on turn two, and people just like won't attack me because they want to keep they want it to be alive. Like they don't even want me to block with it and have it die. Um, so some games I'll I'll play in like turn five or six. Everyone has like ten less life than I do just because they've been attacking each other and haven't been attacking me. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I love that card so much. It it it's a mm-hmm. yeah, it's very very good and things like this where you you like you're fine giving them cards because they're losing life anyway. Right. Yeah, you're getting a little more. You know, it's that breaking parity, but it's not. I'm a big fan of that, you know, understanding of the idea of like when you build a deck and you're hugging, you know, as they call it, or slugging, you know, that mm-hmm. you are just breaking parity. And in this case, I think it's a, I think that's a good amount of breaking parity. Creators sometimes yeah. break parity a little too hard for me, but like this <laughs> yes. uh, Stormfist Crusader breaks the parity in the right way, which is like you're giving me a little for what I'm giving to you, right? Like you're getting a card. I'm getting a card, but we're all, and we're all taking a damage, right? Oh, I'm suffering too, but I get a little bit more of Florian's out, right? I get to look at three more cards, which can make a difference. Um, yeah. Can make a huge difference. And so I kind of was talking about some of the, looking at some of your questions. You know, it's like I have uh, the goal of the deck is to usually steal everyone's creatures and kill them with it, um, kill them with their own creatures goad everybody into killing themselves while I watch. <laughs> uh, or, you know, it's Torment of Hailfire or Cut Ribbons, like the ribbons part of that dual, you know, that spell, the aftermath yeah. part or the, uh, yeah, the aftermath part. I, uh, it's to cast that for a large X and just, you know, kill them all, like kill everybody else, like kill all your opponents after they've uh, fought for a while or, you know, everyone's kind of generally decided to lower their life totals at a similar pace or yep. anything like that. Or <laughs> perhaps that Stormfist Crusader has just been doing work every turn. Um, or more importantly, it's probably the Loyal Subordinate, which I happily play in both versions of the deck, which that Loyal Subordinate yeah. um, has that Lieutenant ability, two and a black, and it's a 3-1 Menace. And I believe at the beginning of your combat phase if you own your commander uh each of your opponents loses three life each of your opponents loses three life that's nine cards nine is Uh, so many yeah (laughs) i like that has won me games and i I should say it's won me games it's won me a game in particular i was playing a game on in a discord community and in that game uh, this one individual got an Elvish Piper out early. Mm. They had gotten a burgeoning and like um, uh, there's a there's a green enchantment that lets you play lands uh, all from your hand, but you have to discard your hand. And I remember the art, but I don't remember the card itself. Uh, it's like a land something, and it just lets you spill your all your lands from hand. And they were playing a commander oh. that says drop to seven at the beginning. Demacia, Damacia, Demacy. Oh, no, I don't uh, um, Damia, the Gorgon one. Yeah, right? Damia, the Gorgon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, yes. this person was like just way ahead of everybody. And what I really like about the Florian deck is it, it tends to stay pretty small. I'm not building a lot of permanents. It doesn't look very big and threatening. I'm not putting out a bunch of... Uh, unwinding clocks or enchantments to boost all my mana or you know I'm not like building a, a system it it relies more on more of maybe like a, a burst approach to generating mana and generating effect and winning the game 
and that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, of course. Uh, but yeah. the hope is that, you know, I'm not, I'm keeping a low profile. Uh, you know, it's like what you see is what you get, what's on the board. The problem is that Florian lets me kind of pull, you know, something from the big bag of tricks, which uh, has been incredibly useful. Well, in this one game, I thought I'm going nowhere. Coma comes out, the coils are out, Ooh. and coil after coil is just tapping down Florian, tapping down the loyal subordinate. I can't attack anywhere, but the loyal subordinate continued to trigger, and I got to look at some cards, and I pulled a Disrupt Decorum, which <laughs> sent my sent this like massive board state coma and all his coils and you know all the other praetors on that person's board sent them all at my other opponent killing them and it was incredible it was absolutely incredible just to watch you know all that power just be used you know what i mean and <laughs> yeah. to do my bidding you know what i mean like to remove a problem and of course that's the power of goad of you know which we now it feels oh, like m most people know and are familiar with and love or hate it. Um, I felt it, <laughs> it was incredibly fun to just use which was, you know, use what was sitting there. Use what people were afraid to use. Oh, I got to stay back and block. You know, it's like, no, you don't. Let's just keep swinging. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. I'll, I'll make that choice mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. always been such yeah. a big fan of Disrupt Decorum. It's sometimes it ends up being like almost a one-sided board wipe for four mana in red, which, mm -hmm. yeah. So good. Yep. In one game, I watched as I cast Disruptor Corum, my opponents having to ki kill each other in order. They just killed mm. each other until one person was <laughs> left. And then I just finished that person off because they were tapped out. You know what I mean? It was beautiful because I watched as they just, I'm like, kill yourselves for me. Fight, fight. You know yes. what I mean? Like I was just eating popcorn the whole time. Oh, and so I turned on my OBS layer to like me just eating popcorn. You don't even need to see my board state, <laughs> you know, just relaxing and munching on some chocolate or popcorn. I was so pleased with myself. Um, and that, the deck also has some fun tricks that I like to play with it. Uh, if I'm not going to disrupt decorum, I'm going to try and steal people's creatures. So an early iteration of this deck had more stealing on, on board. Mm, okay. I built it. Actually, this deck was kind of like a forced combat. And I didn't know much about disrupt decorum at the time. And that was just kind of starting out. That was new in the deck. Carter wasn't yet in the deck list. And I was playing like Mass Mutiny and a few other cards that just kind of stole one or two creatures, like your highest power creatures. And it was a blast. I loved it. I love, again, exploiting the fact that people are being a little too nice and not attacking with their things, or the the Timmies and people that want to, as I say, um, or the Timmies or Tammies that want to, you know, want to have like big creatures on board. And I'm like, yeah. I want to use your big creatures too. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would start stealing them and using them. One of one favorite game of mine was uh, one of the first times meeting Deanna. It was actually during one of the very first Cleave EDH stream. Nice. And yeah. I I was like in the audience and I was like, Bobby, Christine, can I get on the second game? And they were looking for someone because uh, Katie Karloff had to step out for the night. Uh, to take you know to go back to life and i was like yeah i'd love to play so i brought my florian deck and i cast this tyrant's choice card and it's a one in a black sorcery that says will of the council starting with you each player votes for death or torture if death gets more votes each opponent sacrifices a creature if torture gets more votes or the vote is tied each opponent loses four life 
So usually you cast this when people have some, you know, everyone's got their commander at least on board. And most people, you know, you don't have to sacrifice at all. It's not like you have to play along, but you get a vote, which feels deliciously unfair. I usually use it as a moment to kind of convince people to take the damage. Um, But some that night, I remember saying, like, you should all sacrifice a creature. And when I said that, they all were like, I don't know. We don't want to let Florian see some more cards. But like, I don't want to sacrifice either. So they took the damage. um, And it was great because I then cast... uh, I cast uh, Mob Rule, stole the Eldrazi from Deanna, stole the oh, all no. big <laughs> slayer, and they could have sacrificed it. That was the best yeah. part. I was like, you could have sacrificed these creatures, but instead I will use the power against you. And I got an even bigger, a bigger dig. So it felt so incredible. You know what I mean? Such power, like holding onto that card that when I was playing the Tyrant's Choice, holding onto the Mob Rule was such a... a uh, excitement. There was so much excitement in me because I was like, oh, say no. Like, you know, <laughs> like, take the damage. Take the damage. I want you to. Like, let the greed happen. And so it was perfect. It was a perfect moment. So, that is so the deck good. wins that way. Yeah, it's so great. And it didn't have some of the Torment of Hailfire cut ribbons approach to winning the game. And that was one of its early weaknesses. I, I was relying too gotcha. heavily on everybody's board. So I, I put in something you know, a system in which to like, how can I get a lot of mana? Um, how can I get a lot of, you know, value from doing some operation in the game, right? Because we all want to run the, as Bobby Christie calls it, the 2022 value engines. Yep. You all, you all want to <laughs> run a value engine. And the value engine that popped up in the deck was the Waste Knot that I was talking about before and Wheels. And, you know, so I play a Magus of the Wheel, then drop a Waste Knot. And as I sacrifice the Magus and we all wheel, uh, the Waste Knot says whenever an opponent sacri- or, you know, discards a card, we get the mana, get a zombie, get a card. And so I used to just kind of clean up there, as I mentioned before, get all that mana. And then I, yeah. then I started losing to more combo people. And they would just kind of get the combo and they would... And I couldn't... You know, I could do a, a, a big cut or I could do a big ribbons for almost half everyone's life. Look at more cards and kind of get a nice something. But I wouldn't finish the game and I thought, okay, I'm losing to these combo decks that kind of have consistent power, uh, consistent combos. And that's when I ended the Underworld Breach to the deck, which I was like, this is mm. ugly, right? I just would, as I played it, I'm like, this card is broken, right, everybody? <laughs> I was like, we're all in agreement as I continue to cast you know, the same yeah. card out of my graveyard. <laughs> I would cast Burning Inquiry, and Burning Inquiry is a one red spell that says each player draws three cards, then discards three cards at random with a Waste Knot out. I was like, and, a, and an Underworld Breach, and a and I had a Burgie out too. So the Burgie's sitting out there, and she says, whenever you cast the spell, get one red mana. So Burning Inquiries all night long, folks. <laughs> it's free Burning Inquiries. And so it was pretty gross. And then everything going in my graveyard, three cards is the magic price for Underworld Breach. You know, so it so was good. like, I could keep doing this all day long. I'm like, isn't this broken, everybody? Isn't this wrong? And everyone was like, no, that's all right. That's just a game of magic. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. It feels like I thought, it feels uh, broken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought. I was like, I thought I'm becoming the villain. That was a moment where I stepped yeah. into the villain role and realized, oh, no one no one actually really hates me doing this. Like, right, yeah. No one really hates me. So. Just doing cool stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 
I'm really surprised. This is why I love doing commander deck interviews is like just looking through the deck list. Um, like I see all the cards in here and I'm like, yeah, it makes sense that these cards are in here. But then when you get into the intricacies of um, like Tyrant's Choice combining the sacrificing with uh, versus loss of life, like you either get a bonus to Florian's effect or you can do like a mob rule or something and take advantage of it either way. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. everything you were just talking about. So many little pieces here and there that fit into all of the things going on really well um, is really cool. And I like any deck that is playing the like fervent mastery type cards where you're uh, like tutoring and anything discarding at random, I always think is fun, fun to watch and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I have gone back, I have put in tutors and I realized, um, so I've, I've gone back on tutors a little bit and yeah, for the, for the budget deck, I put a fervent mastery, which is, you know, search your library for three cards, but discard Mm -hmm. three cards at random. And I actually, I think I, I've got, of course, a demonic tutor and a proxy vampiric tutor in the other deck. So that deck is just like gross, you know, as as we like to say, gross (laughs) when we want to talk positively about how powerful something is. But you're right. Yeah, I do. I decided I was like, I should put a tutor in here because occasionally I want to be able to do, to do it. I was like, and I realized that sometimes it's helpful to kind of end the game to have some additional, like one wild card in your deck that can do that. Um, and that, so I have kind of gone back a little bit. And for Mastery, yeah, you're right. It's kind of fun and flavorful. And yeah. that's why this is more casual. I'm willing to let cards get exiled. I'm willing to poss- potentially discard my win co- condition to the graveyard. It's totally fine. You know, it's all right. So, yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I could budget deck play the Underworld Breach. But as I kind of mentioned, I feel like it sits in another category or class of like what could be exploited with it. And so I chose not to put it in there, but that's where I've been playing with uh, Past in Flames, which makes all your incense and sorceries have flashback. That means they kind of, you know, you can cast them one more time uh, on a turn. And then I put in a Yog, uh, a creature, because I don't have a Yogma's will, but I put in a Magus of the Will. And I put that in there to kind of like almost approximate the underworld breach. But again, it's limited in power and scope, right? The Magus of the Will, similar to like the Magus of the Wheel, need to be out on the battlefield. They need to survive a turn, and then you may use their ability. And so I like to put, when I'm looking at lower power decks and why I was building this other one and why I like to have it, is to put some weaknesses in it that I know are obvious, right? Some obvious ways that... I can't surprisingly win. It's usually sort of an Uno-like victory. I've got to mm. lay out the piece, and then you get to see it, and then I get to do it. And that feels much more approachable and friendlier during a casual environment. Like, I'd like to give you a chance to possibly destroy it and not always have to have instant speed removal and your mana up at that time to stop me, right? right. Like, that's the kind of feeling. You have, yeah. a, you have a turn before I win, so. Yeah, I think that's really important. I, I find that just the interaction with you and your opponent's boards is can be one of the most interesting parts of a game of commander um i always love when the stack gets uh two or three or four or more effects and and things on it and i think that's an important thing to keep in mind is um yeah making sure that if your effects are on creatures then you have like a full rotation before you can activate their abilities um, yeah, and it gives kind of 
the opportunity for that interaction to happen. I think that's a, a really important mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah, there is an anger in the deck, which is always useful if you're a strong mm. discard deck, which this deck is trying to cycle through cards. Uh, you know, Florian doesn't discard the cards, but there are still, like, um, the budget version is looking to, like, ill-gotten gains, change of fortune, a number of these cards that are, like, draw, you know, draw some cards or discard some cards and draw some cards. So um, I am trying to definitely, like, take advantage of that fact. So sometimes... You know, anger's in the graveyard. Someone sees it. You know, they could remove it. It's like it's yeah. It, there's weaknesses, and there's obvious ones that I know about that I'm you know purposely leaving in there because I again I like to have some weaknesses. Um and and I I try to stay away from like indestructible if possible. I try mm. to stay away from uh, <laughs> some of these things uh, when when I can uh, because I think of yeah uh, or you know cast for free when you just have your commander out. You know, a Deadly Relic is beautiful in a CDH deck, but I'm like, I think yeah. it's a little too much power over here. I think it's a little too much power, <laughs> you know what I mean, like in yeah. this wonderful deck. So I might do a Dark Dabbling, which I think I have in the deck, which is Dark Dabbling, regenerate target creature, draw a card, but it also has a, if there's two or more instants or sorceries, regenerate each creature, like each other creature you control as well. Mm. So it's kind of like a not great, you know sort of heroic intervention but it's a card that i put in here and it works pretty well like it works fairly often to keep my board up and running so, yeah yeah that's something uh, i've i've yeah. been kind of leaning into a lot lately is um like being intentional with adding more protection spells um that way you uh, like it does fulfill like fill some of the weaknesses your deck might have but um, mm-hmm. it just kind of like adds to that interaction thing. Like you're trying to destroy these things. I am prepared with some protection that I can use, um, heroic intervention style or whatever kind of other thing it is. I right. think it's just a, a little more exciting than slapping a lightning greaves on your commander and then nobody can touch it or uh, something like that. Yeah. 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 Mono black texture wouldn't, you know, unless they can right, you know, yeah. hit it with a black sun Zenith or a, a toxic deluge or something, but yeah. Yeah, that's how it usually goes. Yeah, it's like, sorry, can't touch it. And then, you know, um, if you don't have the value engine to stop it or people, I joke a lot of times with Bobby Christine is like, they had the protection for the protection. You know what I mean? Like, yep. they have protection. <laughs> uh, I believe there was a conversation of, um, with Amara about light paws. And you have a light paws deck. And that light yeah. paws deck, once you get like protection from creatures, it's kind of like... <laughs> almost a gg you know what i mean yeah, sometimes depending on the who your city you're across from because like the first time someone did that i was like oh light paws how cute i'd love to see this and then someone's like yeah protection from creatures and i'm like oh my deck doesn't have any other way to hurt you uh yeah it just you know lost the game and yeah. so i was like there we go now light paws i'm coming for you you know i know yes. every single time what you're yeah, up you to know. so yeah, yeah it's it's kind Which of I, funny I, I, for yeah. light pause specifically, I, um, uh, a person who I play with in our play group, Dan, he has an Avacyn deck, um, which oh, is, it's kind of like, yeah. uh, it's like revered and also feared in our play group because if Avacyn comes out, everything's, um, indestructible and it's hard to do anything after that. So purely because of that deck being in our kind of like local play group, everyone's playing exile removal for the most part. So light pause actually like wasn't too bad because everyone's removal could already take care of it. 
um, when it had indestructible or protection from. Right. Uh, I guess not. Protection in some cases does help against that, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny how like some situations, uh, things like that, that are interactable just based on who you're playing with. And but I, I would be worried to pull out light paws in a uh, a random spell table game with people that maybe I hadn't played before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. So. Yeah. I, for a while there, I'd run into people that are playing a lot of Arden Rograk decks, you know, Ooh, like a, yeah. a lot of swords, swords of feast and body and mind and soul and heart and shield <laughs> yes. and Captain Planet. You know, yep. they would <laughs> they would play those. And my favorite card that actually worked really well uh, in the deck was the Bloodthirsty Blade. Mm. It's an artifact for two that gives a little bit of goad. Yep. And a quick creature gets plus two, plus zero, and is goaded. So... I found after a while, Shiny Impetus was a is a red enchantment that gets people goaded and gets you a treasure in the process. But it's two and a red. I found more often than I liked it would the creature would get killed. People don't like having the creature yeah. goaded, and they don't like when you get treasure. And so they tend to kill that creature off pretty quick, no matter what. And I've seen more people cast it on their own creatures nowadays. You know, to yes, kind of like get a yeah. little treasure and they keep it a little bit longer but i removed that card bloodthirsty blade slotted in and that worked pretty well for a while but i haven't been running into too many instances where i per se want to have to use that i'm looking for like wide goad you know like hitting everybody with the disruptor quorum or with um uh or with carter you know an etb mm, yeah and then I'm with the budget deck. I also love the putting a little goad with Camber and the Rin, uh, the sort of sub commanders to the Crimson Vow, Strafon. Oh yes, uh, commander deck. Those two with the like I make blood tokens. Camber's like I make blood tokens whenever opponents creatures die, and uh, I think Lorraine says I'm going to you know spend two and sack an artifact and and go to target creature. And so they, it feels good. Like it feels like a good kind of alternate way to to get that effect. So I've moved away. I mean, it doesn't quite give me the protectionless approach of the Bloodthirsty Blade. I just was finding myself like not using as much, or perhaps my meta changed enough that I didn't yeah. feel like I needed to put the Bloodthirsty Blade on everybody. Um, it might come back. I haven't been fighting an Avacent, you know. Mm, I haven't been yeah. fighting something like that. Yeah, yeah. That that's hard. Indestructible <laughs> is hard. It is hard to deal it with. It is. So. Yeah, and I I do appreciate. I like playing against the Avison deck just because um, she's eight mana and it's very kind of like you can see it coming, um, mm-hmm. and and so it's always kind of a fun game of like okay who's got a like a counter spell or something to deal with it, and um, uh, but on the other side of that I have played against um somebody who had a it was like an all gods deck so everything was indestructible and i after one game i was like i gotta be honest like i didn't really enjoy uh playing against that deck so if you could switch to another one that would be fantastic and and now i know what what that's like yeah (laughs) yeah you didn't pack your d aside and your farewell or you know i mean and and particularly if you're in a certain color you can't quite get it like red you can only get it if you damage and then the card says like disintegrate you know what i mean if it dies from damage exile it right yeah um, which, I think, <laughs> yeah yeah or yep and then i've only found in black there's a you know there's a few there's you know a lot of sack with a creature destroy but there's like um sack with a 
creature. There's a baleful mastery now. There's a few more yeah. um, exile choices. My favorite flavor one, which apparently isn't in my Florian deck, is I cannibalize. It's one in a black, and it's like exile one creature. So your opponent has to have two creatures. You exile mm. one of those creatures, and then you put two plus one plus one counters on another creature. Oh, okay. I don't know if I know this card, but I like that. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, there's Ashes to Ashes, which is one black black, and that one is exiled two creatures, you lose five life, which is good. You know, yeah. I use that one. It's nice to exile two creatures and have that, particularly in black. Baleful Mastery, which is like, you know, you could do one in a black and exile target creature, and then an opponent draws a card, so any opponent is nice. Um, yeah, I... I like the cannibalize ones for flavor, and also it's surprising yeah. how often you can... When you bump someone's power up, like, two points, <laughs> they somehow, you know, get qualified for a Denny's breakfast during the senior <laughs> senior colleague of um, the... Uh, uh, excuse me, the mob rule. You know, like, when oh, you're yeah. looking for something a little bit... <laughs> they might change brackets, and now they're in four power, and all of a sudden you grab someone's loyal subordinate, or you've grabbed some other creature. So there's surprising little effects sometimes. Or... If you play another deck of mine, I play Shadow Grange Archfiend. Powers get a little higher, and once mm. that some creature becomes the highest power, the Shadow Grange Archfiend will want to eat it. You know what I mean? And yep. so you can be playful and give those counters. Also, you know, you can just for fun just give some counters and be like, here, lose that and eat this. You can also make your creature bigger if you need it. It's a yeah. little one of those kind of fun ways of playing with that. So yeah, I've I've always been surprised at effects like that that are they're kind of designed to be a little political where you're like giving your opponents plus and plus one counters or something like that, and uh, like I've always been surprised at how many situations there are where that will like turn the tide for your opponent on a different opponent. So you can just kind of like here you go, and then they are starting to beat each other up a little bit and you can just kind of sit back and watch and yeah mm -hmm. it, it's way more interesting to play things like that and kind of like have the opportunity to do those things instead of just here's a okay doom blade exile or a baleful mastery exile it and now it's gone although baleful mastery yeah. has the draw card thing but yeah just like a murder some effect is a, a lot less opportunity for some spicy um yeah spicy interactions there Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, I like it. It's that, you know, Chaos Warp is a wild card and also creates an interesting moment. And so yeah. this deck definitely has a Chaos Warp because, of course, it's great red removal uh, or red replacement. I shouldn't even quite say removal. Yeah. Uh, but I, I found that when I built the deck, I wanted something like that in a lot of ways, like that uh, there was a choice where I was like, I can play Flame Rift and I could probably be happy with just Flame Rift as a card to do that pre-combat damage. And I and and if I wanted, instead of this Tyrant's Choice, I could probably just play Liliana's Triumph or Mastery, or the one that just says every player sacrifices a creature, or yeah, I could yeah. play the Turgrid something that just says every player sacrifices two creatures and get a similar effect um, with it. But the Tyrant's Choice felt fun. I like the, the games to it. I mean, I definitely included Wheel of Misfortune, knowing going into it that I'm going to have to explain to people how this card works. <laughs> But yes. I loved every, I loved all the mini games that I was kind of like putting into it as well, like a little bit of vote, 
a little bit of disrupted quorum, a little bit of this wheel of misfortune, because it's fun watching, at least for me, the ants kind of like figure out what to do. Like, how can I, yeah. you know, I watch, I watch one player use Outlast to keep them from doing any harm whatsoever with their creatures. So they never attacked with anything. Another person did something else as well. They're like, I can tap down most of my stuff to do, you know, crew vehicles that don't have to attack or yada, yada. Like I, it's interesting watching people solve these problems. And I, I do like seeing that. I do like, like providing problems so for people to solve and be this little, uh, Arachdos chaos agent, that which, you know, is present in the, you know, in that space. Um, yeah. I used to have a Xantia in the deck, Xantia sleeper agent. Because mm, I love yeah. the idea of giving Sancho away. I recently removed it from both the decks. And the reason for it is that I, I, in the similar way that like I would play Belby, some decks just don't have, wouldn't know what to do with the mana post-combat with Belby. You get mana if you deal damage to my opponent. So people that shock, you know, use the shock land, they would get mana post-combat or if they attack you know, my opponents, they would get mana. and But a lot of times the players didn't know what to do with the mana. In the same way, I sometimes found that people just didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't know what to yeah. do. Yeah. They didn't know how to handle it. or Like, it wasn't in their plan. So even though Xantia was, like, three mana is kind of pricey, some people couldn't, weren't able to do it. And then a lot of times I give Xantia to someone, and then they, next turn, they drop an astronaut's altar, and you're like, damn it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> darn it. You just... There's, you know, shoot or something. So it's it just never felt like I could get it. Now I've seen people, you know, go for those infinite mana events. And so I think she would need to be in a deck that like hit infinite mana. Um, maybe she was more of like an end condition where I, I might've like, I, maybe I've removed it, re removed her prematurely. I've almost talked myself into it. Mm. And I'm making lots of mana with like Jessica's wills that I'm constantly casting. And I'm yeah. making a bunch of mana off of waste not black mana. When she ETBs and I give her to somebody, I can just kill someone outright, perhaps with all that mana that I've made. That's but... true. Scourge familiar can get you some mana. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a tough one. I, I hate things like that. It's so hard to decide because you can think of lots of cool situations where it does work and lots where it maybe doesn't work as well. And yeah, it's hard to know. Um, yeah. What, like how to weigh those against each other when you're deciding what to take mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Um, I've been happy too with the, this deck. I'm willing to play some soul rings and fast mana in both versions of the deck. Uh, I did was happily, I am happy to add the glass cast heart to the yeah, I like budget version, which of course, you know, your commander's a vampire because Florian's a vampire you get a little blood token and I've never hit that like 13 case mm. of like blood tokens, but that's not, that's not something I'm really looking for. I think what's fun is though, is I did the, I love the glittering stockpile. That was a recent addition yep. and I love that in a game and happy to have like some alternative three mana rocks there and uh, early kind of just pink, just, you know, trash, trash artifacts like a blood fountain. It's fun to have those for making two artifacts. You know, they're kind of like making more permanents than they report it to be. You know, it's, yeah. it's a permanent that makes two permanents. And sometimes it's nice to have some extra extra stuff to throw around. In this case, a little uh, extra blood on the floor to, clean, to, to use for some reason. I like it. Yeah, I like um, that too, how yeah. you have 
the kind of like blood token sub theme um with and then you also have kirkesh onaki ancient which is always a creature that i've enjoyed and thought was really cool um yeah i think that Mm -hmm. those interactions are yeah are really cool in this deck yeah i learned the kirkesh onaki ancient when playing on scrap trawlers uh lenny on scrap trawlers i believe used it he built a a camber and lorraine deck so it's rakdos colors and it was a big blood theme with cranial plating and then a bunch of the nadirs, the like night blades. Ooh, so it's like yeah. really leaned into tokens and like tokens leaving and tokens enter, you know, just, uh, yeah, leaving will do damage. And then of course make um, one of the nadirs bigger. Anyways, the Kirkesh was in there. He shared it saying like, this would turn any blood into a, a, a blood into a, the uh, the instant speed spell thrill of possibility, right? oh, yeah. So essentially, it would turn it turn into a thrill of possibility. One card just slightly. Oh no, it is right. Discard before draw two cards. Yeah. So it would turn anything into a thrill of possibility. A thrill of possibility on That's tap good. doesn't sound bad. You know what I mean yeah. for a deck that uh, is looking to fill its graveyard or discard whenever it needs to. So uh, getting a bonus card out of that process is really nice because blood is you know you're just swapping card for card and you don't get to see what you're trading for. Yeah. So it's not always the best. Uh, so it's nice to have. And yeah, that deck, that second, the, the budget deck has like my, one of my favorite cards, which is for name alone, it's and creature type, Surly Badgesser. Ooh. <laughs> this Surly Badgesser. <laughs> uh, it's a badger dinosaur. I don't know if I've ever seen one before, but it's, it's like a Bone Miser's best friend yeah. because it has similar triggered abilities that are not limited per turn. Uh, when you discard cards and uh, the surly badgesser, you know, gets cranky and nobody, I think like the, what was the, oh my God, six, eight years, 10 years ago, <laughs> honey badgers, you know, has that kind oh, of yeah. like nobody, you know, <laughs> nobody asks with the surly badgesser because yeah. um, it fights, it can fight cards and it's kind of nice to have a little fight in the deck i don't have dragons etbing and i don't have goblin bombardments or you know i'm not doing a bunch of tokens so this early badger is kind of a pet card and i yes. love whatever it comes up because i love to you know get a little value i'm a big fan of discarding if you haven't figured it out i love to discard i got back into magic at least buying physical cards again after a start i started in 93 Got back in nice. during Shadow Over Innistrad, and oh, I was cool. like, I love this madness mechanic. I'm like, I love, can I discard? I just love discarding, like just kind of cycling and moving cards. It feels like I'm a shark and I want to just breathe. <laughs> and I just, you know, I just need more movement, more cards. Just keep, keep giving me more choices. I and love that's, it. That's, of course, why I'm playing Florian. Yeah. Yeah. Florian is like right, it's yeah. right in that area. Perfect for it. Um, yeah, and I was going to ask, do, do you have any other, we've talked probably talked about a lot of them, but do you have any other pet cards in the deck that you want to shout out besides yeah, the Honey Badger? See. Super, yes, Honey Badger is the favorite. Uh, yeah, I'm, um, I've added Sticky Fingers to the to mm. a deck, and I can't believe that common is a common, yeah. with it being a, a red or a giving a creature menace when they do damage you get a treasure token and when the creature dies you oh, draw a card it just keeps going i love this card too 
Yeah, that card, um, gross, as one yeah. might say, is super powerful, but not overly so in terms of its approach of things. I mean, I think it's like, it's great and it's nice. It's an enchantment that feels like I can play it now. Whereas before I tried to play auras and it was like, oh, whoops, I just spent all that mana, you know, to get this aura <laughs> yeah. up creature and I don't have all the protection froms. And now that aura up creature is just, you know, gone you know what I mean? it's just out of here so that's a fun card i love when i love to say sticky fingers yeah that um, one, i love that to make good. jokes about sticky fingers <laughs> just sticky fingers is always a just a great time and it's been super i'm super happy to see like an aura that i can play that kind of solves some of the problems i think i've tried to solve with florian is right so if you think about florian early game I like to get them out early. I, I recommend to anyone like Peat Bog or Sandstone Needle. These are these lands that come into play tapped but you, and come in with depletion counters on them, two depletion counters. And so I will un play it turn one, turn two, untap it, play a land, and I can have my commander out in the battlefield. Because when you remove a depletion nice. counter, you get two colored mana. Um, but once you remove the second depletion counter, it's gone. The land blows up yeah uh, but it's like an early boost that i like for this deck because eventually the board's gonna get crowded florian has got a hit so that's where say the low supporters we talked about uh, or the sticky fingers or a basilisk collar which just got reprinted in yeah. the commander legends boulders gate and with a real bat with a basilisk i guess yeah um, you know wearing it so <laughs> No, I'm sorry if you're not a real basilisk or basilisk collar wearer in the original art. Perhaps you are. Maybe I don't. I haven't seen your eyes yet. It's I'm true. Not sure. Who knows what the <laughs> yeah. top of that dog is? For yeah. sure. It makes sense though. Florian but, is uh, like first strike. I think does help against uh, blockers sometimes, but it's not as. It's definitely not as good as menace or some kind of like evasive uh, death touch some way to get through like that so mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense yeah first strike death touch is usually reserved for a green black commander right um, yeah and some you know what i mean like it's it's a nice little because most people get surprised they're like wait first strike death touch you know they just get super surprised about it and it's one of those where i'm like no you know you can block you know and i feel fine with that that i should have mentioned yeah that sometimes this deck suffers to token strategies but i've tried to solve mm. that with um board wipes on the form of chain reaction okay uh, chain yeah. reaction is a you know two red red and it's like scoot swarm how many scoot swarms do you have you know what i mean we're gonna do <laughs> 48 points of damage to everybody i had another approach that was in this deck that i removed a little while ago which was um oh it it was something dreams let me take a moment i think it was something that dreams Devastating Dreams? No, it was an. I'm trying to remember. It was a red card, and it mm. it's an enchantment. It's like six colors and a red, and it says whenever a creature dies, that opponent's controller, or the the controller of that creature, you know, loses life equal to the amount of. Oh no! Whenever oh. a creature dies. And an opponent is going. You choose an opponent, and they take damage or lose life equal to the number of cards they have in their hand. And that card, Vicious Shadows. Vicious Shadows. Oh, okay. I used to do that too. And Vicious Shadows is pretty rough. If you wheel, 
Then you have a vicious shadows, and everyone's got seven cards in hand. And then you chain reaction like everyone's bored. Ooh. You kill everyone outright. So I would sometimes punish people for their their power that they have on board. But I removed it. It just felt a little too like creature dependent again, and it felt like it was kind of not always there for me. Gotcha. In, in a little specific. I like, cast it. Yeah, a little too specific. So that was a fun way or a possible another way that I thought about kind of destroying and taking out people. These days, it seems pretty straightforward. It's like, I'm mostly going to look for the lot of mana win. Gotcha. Um, and the Surly or yeah, definitely is an MVP, a favorite of mine, just for flavor. I love when he comes out and visits and chills on the battle. And he totally feels chill. Like, I don't get, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not Emmer cool. Right. He's just pretty, he feels pretty chill. I would yeah. say... Previously, the Bone Miser was maybe a little more, you know, concerning. He's recently gotten a, he's gotten high, <laughs> high price, $9 lately because of all the, the, um, conniving that ever all the young kids yeah. are doing. Yeah. <laughs> these days. Lots of little discarding things lately. Yeah, they're snorting that halo and they're calling up yes. their bone miser, you know, doing some Craigslist hookup on, with the bone miser <laughs> to get the discards that they need. Yeah, so. it works. It's it's kind of yeah, interesting I, to, to maintain a budget list in that way when a card spikes and you're like, oh, man, like, I, I swear it was budget. It was. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's one last card that I think I'd like to talk about thinking okay. about. Um, they're kind of cat, notable cards that focus on card draw uh, that yes. give you like sustainable card draw. And while the deck is doing a lot of discarding and looking at cards, I think it's still useful to draw cards. And there's one of my favorite cards that uh, came out in Eldraine. It's great if you've got like a commander focused deck where you're attacking with your commander. You're casting your commander and you're attacking with your commander. It's not just, you know, a showpiece or like a right. casino owner coming over and shaking hands or whatever, just sitting on the battlefield overlooking everything. But if you've got a commander that's doing work on the battlefield, Tome of Legends mm. is an incredible colorless artifact that is two colorless from Throne of Eldraine. When it enters the battlefield, put a page counter on it. The, Turn two, I could cast it. Turn three, I cast my commander. So when your com whenever your commander enters the battlefield or attacks, put a page counter on it. And then, you know, so turn three, Florian comes in, there's two page yeah. counters, and you can spend one and remove a page counter to draw a card. So it's like the dragon's horde, you know, that card that um, yeah. whenever a dragon comes in, put a counter on it. It's a very similar card that's just kind of generically about commanders. And like I said, if your commander is doing work, if it's turning sideways, you know, monetize it. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Put some ads on it. Put them some write about it, uh, tweet about it, or whatever the Tome of Legends is in the Eldraine <laughs> world. You know, hire a town crier to go around and sing the tales of your commander. So, I like it, yeah. I and then it. draw tons of cards. I think especially since Florian comes down so early and you're just you're just going to be attacking every turn so it's like i mean this is just like we were talking about earlier with um more interesting cards that are better than phyrexian arena in ways like that like this will draw you a card per turn if you're you know working for it a little bit and attacking and um, doing mm -hmm. other things that your deck already wants to do right yeah yeah because if flooring gets uh destroyed exiled you're gonna have to You'll bring him back, so that's another page counter on it, but you probably, someone did it during combat, so you've already gotten the attack trigger. 
you know, yeah. so you likely have gotten two page counters on it, and then, you know, then you're at least drawing two cards in the interim with one man. You know, and a one mana cost per card is a good value for you know whatever whatever you've got left there. You know, it's it's good. It's like it it delivers enough value I find per, particularly for its cost, and it doesn't rely on the meta of other people. Uh, well, it doesn't rely on. I guess it does rely on three mana in some way. You know, mm. I mean, two mana up front and then one mana every time, but. I know Phyrexian Arena is three mana. Phyrexian Arena is a little bit more money for it. Limited to black. This is yeah. like kind of open for everybody. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're turned inside by It's one of my favorites. It's it's a just a nice little a nice little perk. Yeah, for doing what you're doing. You know, it's the it's the stamp. It's the free <laughs> free sub. You know, yes. the free sub stamp. The meatballs. That we were talking about at the beginning. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gotta get those free meatballs. Yeah. When the meatballs are free, you say yes. <laughs> definitely yeah Mm -hmm. i love it i want to know for both of these um deck lists which one in each do you think is like the mvp card um of the deck florian yeah like (laughs) florian makes sense yeah um (laughs) yeah florian is definitely the mvp and the star of the show as showcased by just even the picture of him on his card would be florian it's yeah. hard to say. I know that the, the the creature that does the most work with Florian is the Loyal Subordinate. Loyal Subordinate okay. is yeah. my, say, top choice, right? It's like, if I'm going to bring, if I'm going to make this deck, whatever value, whatever price, whatever version of it, Loyal Subordinate feels like it has to be in that deck because of the lieutenant ability, because you're going to go to combat. I mean, you always are. And if you've got the two of them in play, you're going to get to see nine cards if you've got three opponents. That's so you know? good. So that card, and you haven't done anything. You haven't even lifted a finger, and the right. loyal subordinate has already done the work for you. So that's that's probably like my number one card, even for both the versions of it. I could say it's other things, but again, like that does some great work, and I've seen it do great work every game. And it's consistent, right? It's a permanent on the battlefield. Tyrant's Choice. Mm, it's for you know it's 12 one turn you know flame rift 12 one turn maybe you can cast it again or you know possibly with another card but if loyal subordinate sits unchecked also the loyal subordinate can attack like it's got menace sometimes can sneak in yeah it can sneak in for three more points of damage (laughs) you might not be looking at nine you might be looking at 12 you know what i mean or 15 if florian's going in with sticky fingers as well yeah, so it's definitely the MVP. I'd say I, I feel like I get to see a lot more cards with that card on board and more ends of games happen if that card is out early. The unfortunate thing is that, you know, it's on the same mana value as the commander, but mm. they I tend to, you know, I'll lead with, you lead with maybe the subordinate, then play Florian. Uh, then that means, like, if you lead with the subordinate on three, subordinate on three when you play the Florian on four... Um, you have one mana free, and then you can look at a top card of your library. You know, then you get to look at like nine cards right away, and you haven't even yeah. attacked. Maybe twelve. So then you'll be able to either play another land to have two lands, you know, like two mana, or you might pull that like important rock from your hand and play the land from your hand. You know, so you might do totally. different things yeah. with it. So I oftentimes lead with it um, versus like follow with it. Um, but if you do follow with it, it's not bad either. I mean, you just tend to not have what I never thought about it. Either. I guess like pouring on three. Subordinate on four, I guess you get about the same play. I don't know. It seems like I like to lead with it. Yeah, they're, they're both get a little really more good. value. Yeah. I feel like it might depend on the situation. Maybe the menace or the first strike could be 
yeah. um, more useful for it. Yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. Loyal Subordinate, uh, at least when I'm playing my Rakdos deck that this card also is fantastic in, um, mm -hmm. uh, people are just terrified of it <laughs> because they know that mm -hmm. the nine life is huge. Um, so yeah, maybe mm -hmm. that can kind of like bait out a removal spell or something that you might not want um, Florian to get hit by or the other way around. I'm not sure. Depends, I guess, on the situation. Yeah. yeah some people don't know with that one. I, well, I guess there's sometimes the friendliness of commander. Sometimes people take out the commander knowing that, well, that just stops you for a little while versus removing or exiling a piece on your board. Right. So sometimes yeah. I think like people are being friendly when they remove your commander versus removing that, like the Neheb dread, uh, dreadward champion <laughs> totally. or even the eternal, you know, either one of those. Me never to see them again is a difference um, sometimes versus like, well, I got to wait till next turn, yeah. five mana or seven mana or something. So, makes sense. Yeah, it is yeah. good though to put out stuff that is tempting. So, loyal subordinate, I don't mind. I'd rather, yeah, they take out the loyal subordinate and then Florian can keep on trucking. You know, yeah. just let me look at three. Don't let me look at it's nine. Fine. That's gross. Yeah, definitely take <laughs> out the subordinate. It's fine. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I mean, I would be like, it's three or it's 12. Which one, you know, would you have? Yeah. Um, you know, not, but put it that way, because it's like, well, wait, I guess it could be just not, it could be nine damage or 12 cards, I don't know, or oh, three cards that I get to look at are just nine damage total. Three cards I get to look at, that's not bad, right? You know, three cards and I get to look at it. Right. Three yeah. damage. Don't worry about it. One person gets three? <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. It's too complicated. Just say yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I love it. Um, so That's a definitely MVP at the attack. Okay. Sure. Yeah, cool. I like that a lot. I think. It's probably the MVP of Rakdos, also Belvi. That I'm just always surprised that it's mm. three life each opponent um, on a creature mm -hmm. that is pretty strong on its own. Yeah, that yeah, I like mm -hmm. that card a lot. Yeah, there's other. There is one other fun card in there. Acidic soil. Ooh. And acidic soil is two and a red. And I realize this one is uh, late game. I love this punishment because sometimes it kills me. And as a Rakdos player, I love it when we all die at the same time. Yeah, um, it's sort of like a tiny orgasm, you know what I mean? <laughs> or it's a, an orgasm, la petite mort, you know what I mean? Like we're all a little death. Uh, Acidic yes. soul does one damage to each player for each land they control. Um, nice, you know what I mean? Like right That's at the great. end, yeah. it's like, wow, I've got sixteen lands. I ramp forever, and it's like, yeah, I'm so happy for you. Again, I'm rewarding you for your. <laughs> efforts by sending you to the Elysium, you know, to your yeah. afterlife of rest and relaxation, where you no longer have to toil in this world with Avicen and other heroes that stand in your way. Yeah, it's time time for the game to end, so your mm -hmm. 14 lands you have out are yeah. now going to deal 14 damage to you. Right, I like exactly. that. Solemn Simulacrum, yeah, it helped you so much, and yes. now in your value engine and now must be you will be put to rest with solemn which i'm so happy to do yeah you know? so <laughs> gladly do. obliged or have my friend do yeah i like it yeah i don't think i've seen acidic soil before i might have to consider this one for for some of my decks yeah i like that card a lot that's really cool i anything that punishes landfall decks i'm all here for <laughs> Yeah, I try to punish as many yes. people as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there are a few strategies that are they're just like so strong on their own, no matter what's what the commander is or what the deck's doing, that I'm I love punishing decks like that. Like uh, landfall decks are one. I think graveyard decks are another one, even though I play them all the time too. Um 
yeah always happy to exile someone's graveyard so the we've gone we we have gone through a few kind of like stories that you've had for cool in-game moments um when you've been playing this deck do you have any others that you want to kind of like go through as we head towards the end of this episode yeah there was um there was one other game one of the first few games that i was playing with this deck and it was definitely the more i'm going to take control of your creatures and win the game version of it Mm. and that approach worked pretty well except i found out one day (laughs) about teferi uh teferi's protection oh yeah I went, sad. I had hoped to grab an Avicent. That's what your your mentioning of Avicent mm. reminded me. And I was playing with Bobby Christine and Anthony, listener alters, and Anna MTG um, on Twitch. And we were playing, yeah, I think, yeah, we were playing. And I remember so happy. I was like, all oh, these big, wonderful, strong creatures that you're all playing. And I'm getting excited for everybody. That was the best part about the deck when it was early. Like, everyone, I could steal creatures. I get so excited. I feel like, oh, that's awesome. Everyone's like, oh, no, not Avacyn. I'm like, that is so great. Make her stronger. Make her bigger. She's so wonderful. You know, I'd be these, this is cheerleader the whole yes. game. I was cheering people on and they're like, what is, you know, maybe they weren't going like, what is going on? Maybe Lynn is just really excited for me. <laughs> but I was really excited because it was like mass mutiny was coming and like, you know, more goat effects were coming that whole time. Beautiful. And I remember Anna just shut that all down with a Teferi's protection and <laughs> she disappeared and like they couldn't, you know, attack her and it ruined my entire plan and I, it all fell apart. And I think I got eaten, you know, eaten alive because my plans and schemes were exposed. But um, it was still a wonderfully memorable game that included Avicent that came, you know, that I was previously yeah. swinging with. Uh, or no, I swung with a Kalia, and then I yeah, I was hoping to swing with an Avicent and then lost out on my opportunity. But still, super memorable moment to just die. Uh, you know, again, yeah. torn apart, torn apart, and my robe exposed in the middle of the Coliseum. You know, for everyone to see, I was just a, a trickster uh, that was putting them all against each other. I love that. That's exactly what we were talking about earlier with trying to create a cool story out of your game like that's that's it like that situation um yeah and also just like having little goat effects here and there i think are so fun because you you do get the chance to like hype up your opponent's boards and they yeah. don't, they have no idea you might you know you might be hyping them up for a totally different reason than just for them right <laughs> <laughs> right yeah um yeah definitely I love to do that. And I also love to do that because people are like, I don't trust you. Why should I hit you? I'm like, come on, hit me. Hit yeah, me. Do, do it. Because, like, <laughs> it'll advance the game state. Do it. And then they go, I don't know. I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, like, you're a little too eager sometimes. You're suspicious. Surprises people. Yeah, they do. They get a little, like, yeah, they get a little worried in some cases. So <laughs> I think hyping people up is a fun kind of meta, you know, way to yep. play it. And it's also just great for people to be hyped. I mean, it's great to. Um, just it's good. It's good to be excited about the entire experience. Yes, Ulamog yeah. is staring you down or something like that. Right, yeah. you gotta be. Uh, you gotta look on the bright side when, when you're looking at an Ulamog. The shiny. The game will be over soon. You know. Don't yep. Know that. <laughs> I um, oh, we're doing it. We've done it. We have. Uh, I've got one last question for you. 
And okay. it's, uh, what advice would you like to give to people who maybe have listened to this and are interested in building a Florian deck or, yeah, maybe have a Florian deck and want some advice? What would you say to them? Yeah, I definitely would say, I guess it depends on what level and where you want to play. Right? I think that can influence it. Um, I think if you're looking for some high-powered value engine driven experience EDH rack and its kind of initial list is really great place to start you know it's going to give you everything you need to be competitive perhaps in your local store or whatever your meta is uh, but I if you're interested in the deck list that I have and take a look at I would definitely just review them I think the biggest thing that I would say with Florian is this look for anything that does pre-combat damage or combat damage to your opponents that amplifies it that performs it that does it that's repeatable at whatever speed that you need or whatever burst you need so there's going to be new cards in the future after the recording of this and the newer sets that are going to do those things and you'll find those cards will probably be better than some of the ones that, you know i have in my deck <laughs> so i think anything that does that that does damage causes loss of life and you can amplify it Go for it. Find it. Put it in there. Because really, you're just looking for anything to happen pre-combat, combat, before you move into the post-combat. Or Florian will trigger and then let you look at the cards. And then from there, you just got to figure out like how you wanna how you wanna ramp. You know what you wanna ramp into. And likely, you're just gonna have to have some of these damage effects similar to Belby, which has almost a similar list if you look mm -hmm. at some of the black yeah. cards. You know, deal damage X damage per turn. X, you know that type of thing. So just look for those. Those are your, that's the core of it. And once you kind of get the wheels, I feel like that's the bicycle or that's the engine. You know, yeah. once you get that kind of moving in the right path, then you can start figuring out what you want to throw in there. Cause really then you just got like card visibility. You know, you're getting like to yank a card out of 12 cards or three cards or, or 24 cards. And from there, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to um, summon Vecna? Do you want to um, amass Voltron? You know, like, what do you, at that point, it's up to you. And I think you get to do it without tutoring, which does make it a, I don't know, can give someone a little bit of a feeling of, like, I can be, you know, I work for this versus, like, I cast those. Yeah. I mean, that's working for it, too. But you can kind of get away with some, perhaps some combos without feeling, like, as much guilt. Or at least I did for a little while. So. Yeah. You know? I like that. I, I kind of yeah. like how open-ended it is, too, because when it comes to dealing damage um, in those ways that Florian needs, it, there are so many options for different cards and creatures and effects to do that. So, yeah, I kind of like how open-ended that is, so you can do kind of customize it. Um, and then also just like, like you were saying, the wind conditions, the things you're trying to find uh, to assemble your victory once you've got your damage Florian effects going. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. also super customizable, which I think is really cool. So you can kind of make it however you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My only wish is ever that if Florian could somehow non-randomize and put things back on, on the bottom in order, because I was like, mm. I always wanted to play Grenzo Dungeon Warden and be like, oh, brought yeah. you back. You know what I mean? Like, but it doesn't quite work. The dungeon, Grenzo Dungeon Warden will have to be in some other deck in the future that yeah. I've yet to make. Um <laughs> My my Rakdos love letters that I write to each of my commanders. Dear Grenzo, yes. call me if you're listening to this. <laughs> okay. 
I totally understand that. I'm also a, a big Rakdos person. I've got quite a few that I, I just love. They're so good. Red and black. How many do you have? How many how many Rakdos decks you you got sitting around? Um, I think I have three. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I was I was thinking about um Kalein Reclusive Painter earlier, who's like a, a treasure oh, yeah. commander, which in the last yeah. just like two sets alone has been uh, totally overhauled, but yeah, Sticky Fingers is a really big one in that deck too. I really like <laughs> Sticky yeah. Fingers in that. Yeah. Do you? And then are you bringing in like how are, how else are you bringing in treasures? I I I can definitely show you the deck list. I have like sure. 30, 36 cards ish, something around there that just like make a treasure in some way. Um, wow. And wow, and it's really fun. So yeah, it's it's good. So Kalane is the one where. When you use treasures to cast a creature, it puts plus one plus one counters on the creature equal to the number of treasures you used. And um, and there's some spicy things you can do, like uh, creatures with improvise. You can tap the treasures to pay for their mana cost, so you don't sacrifice the treasure, but you still like use it to pay, so it still gets the plus one plus one mm-hmm. counter. Yeah, and then there are ever increasing like big dragons that love that have flying and sure. love to have counters like uh gold span dragon and the new um <laughs> ancient the red one ancient something dragon oh bronze yeah. dragon yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that the, bronze yeah yes um yeah it makes a billion treasures that's probably going to be like the best card in the deck now so mm-hmm. today was a blast thank you for letting me ask you a bunch of questions and chat about florian and all the cool things that this sexy vampire can do so sexy florian is like a rock star in my mind if it's yeah. sort of bobby christino cheer him on whenever he plays florian like a rock because i've always thought of him as kind of a rock star yeah in my head it's like um like ann rice's novels uh lestat i think comes back mm. in the third story as like a sort of rock star vampire and i I didn't read that one, but I watched that movie of it. But <laughs> anyways, yeah, I thought of I thought of that as like, yeah, he kind of pictures it pictured to me in that photo specifically. It feels a lot of um uh what is it? Nine inch nails, uh from one of their first albums, God Money, uh mm. walking over the back of the bru backs of the bruised or whatever, the of the poor. I don't it's just like a it just gives me this feel of like the trying to be of the people but really being yeah. this jerk awful <laughs> character i don't know that could be like a paris Hilton of the 90s or something like that so i play it up you know what i mean i try to be an awful villain when i play it because i will only only accept that as the character for it yeah i love it yeah you got to get in the mindset of of the character mm-hmm. that you're that you're playing this deck around so yeah that's perfect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. awesome well this has been an amazing time thank you so much for coming on and and chatting with me and um yeah we hit some topics that i uh that i loved that i think um yeah that i, I love talking about things like that so uh yeah so i appreciate yeah. you for for all of that and um yeah and thank you so much for coming on yeah you're welcome Alec. thank you for having me of course anytime and so yeah anyone listening the episode description below i'll have all of lynn's links and content and things like that so definitely go check those out and yeah is there anything that you want to say to kind of plug or 
Uh, anything else you want to throw out there before we wrap up the show? Nothing at all. I've said so much, probably too <laughs> much already. But thank you, everybody, that's watching and listening. Um, have a wonderful day. Awesome. Yeah, sounds good. Um, welcome to the Fairy Conclave. Thank you all for listening, and I hope that we will see you again next time. Thank you.